Welcome to the How to Get More Leads and Sales from Your Website podcast with host Dan Kaplan, co-founder of Periscope Up, fine purveyor of digital marketing services. In each episode, Dan asks the experts, how do you get more leads and sales from a website? Visit periscopeup.com slash podcast to subscribe. Keep learning how you can turn your website into a salesperson that never sleeps. Now, here's your host, Dan Kaplan. Hi everybody, Dan Kaplan here with Periscope Up and welcome back to the Getting More Leads and Sales from your website podcast. Today, really, really, really super excited to have Maggie Georgieva from HubSpot. Say hi, Maggie. Hi everyone, nice, nice to be here. Did I say your name properly? You did, all Good. that practice finally yeah. paid off. Good. So uh, Maggie is a product manager at HubSpot and up until two years ago, she was on the marketing team. And I know of Maggie because she wrote a, a great ebook, which I recommend everybody go ahead and download, download called um, Introduction to Lead Nurturing. And I'm going to have the link on my website uh, for people to go ahead and download that, or you can just Google it. It's, uh, it's a great ebook that really does give you the high level overview, everything you need to know to get uh, lead nurturing started and understanding what it is. So um, before we talk, today, Maggie, about lead nurturing, what it is. I know you have a case study for us as well. You're going to show us an example of a good HubSpot lead nurturing campaign. Before we get into any of that, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, give us your background. How'd you get to be at HubSpot? What a great job. I know. It is a great job. I think I'm very lucky. I started working at HubSpot in 2010. Actually, I was an intern in 2009, and that's how I originally entered the HubSpot office space, and I fell in love. Immediately, the culture was very transparent and very flat. So I was amazed to be at a place where you can just take initiative and um, try out different things. And you you weren't necessarily you weren't always expected to be successful. But even if you did something wrong, it was okay as long as you can share the lessons that you learned. And that really inspired me. So I decided to join full time in the marketing in the marketing department. And I was again fortunate enough to start working on the sales enablement team, working on group demos, case studies actually, uh, using Skype, uh, funnily enough. And I did a lot of blogging at that time. And gradually I started doing different things because the marketing team is very flexible in that sense and you can try out different roles and different responsibilities. So I did. Um, produce our marketing webinars for a long time. Mm -hmm. We actually hold the record, the Guinness record for the biggest marketing webinar yeah. ever. It was a lot of fun to how produce. Many? Yeah. How um, many? How many people were on the on that webinar? So ten thousand attendees. So we did we did it twice. First time that we held the the webinar and we got the the Guinness record. I was producing the webinar and then we beat our own record about two years ago. <laughs> That's amazing. I know. 30,000 people registered and 10,000 attended. So that was, it was a blast. And it, when I was producing it, it happened during an earthquake. So additional <laughs> excitement, definitely. Uh, and so I did a lot of email marketing also, lead nurturing, and then I loved, I loved, loved content creation. And that's why you stumbled upon my ebook because it was created with a lot of love. Hmm. And I enjoy, I really enjoy doing research, um, 
seeing how other people have implemented different marketing tactics and sharing that knowledge, getting getting more input. And because I love marketing so, so much, uh, and I used HubSpot for everything from email marketing, social media, reporting, I, I gradually developed this interest to start working on the tools that marketers use so they can be successful. Um, I had opinions about what what sort of m metrics should you be looking at mm -hmm. and how you should structure your content, how do you optimize your landing pages. And I just wanted to embed those best practices really into the tool, into HubSpot and, and make our customers as successful as our own marketing team had been. That's great. And I tell you, we're really fortunate to have you on the podcast today because of because of that. You have you come at this from with the experience of a marketer, but now you're taking those experiences and really putting them into the tools. And so much of marketing today is technology. I think that's really important that the people who are building the tools actually are practitioners. I think that's great. That's great. All right, so today on the Getting More Leads and Sales podcast, we're gonna be talking about lead nurturing and what it what it is. You got, you've got an example for us, and I know also like uh, like all of our uh, guests on this podcast, you're gonna we're gonna close out with the one thing, the one big thing we should be paying attention to now. So um, let's start with what is lead nurturing. How can you can you just give us that ten thousand foot view? What is it? What how can we use it? Who's it for? What does it do? What doesn't it do? Tell us, you know, just for those of us who are new to this concept, um, give us that background. Totally, lead nurturing is actually very simple. I would use. Uh, very simple words to describe it. Lead nurturing comes down to qualifying your leads so they become sales ready. It's as simple as that. You really want to look at your contacts, your database of contacts, and look at the ones that are um, not qualified or you want to get ready for sales. And then how do you do that in an automated fashion so you don't have to send emails manually? Um, so that's a simple description of lead nurturing. However, there's a lot of talk around marketing automation, which I, I feel like it's the bigger umbrella term under which lead nurturing falls. And marketing automation really encompasses everything from data management and segmentation to lead nurturing, and even things like social media automation, right? There's a lot of things you can be automating as a marketer, and lead nurturing is kind of the, one of those big buckets that people talk about a lot. Um, so lead nurturing is really qualifying leads further for sales, and there's a lot more that you can automate. You can automate communication with customers. You can automate surveys. You can uh, do re-engagements and things like that. So let, uh, let's staying on the definition. Um, mm -hmm. You know what? What I mean? What is this? Email is what we're talking about. Somebody goes to your site and they download maybe an ebook, so they give you your their initial contact information. But then instead of just sending them a single email saying thank you, maybe send them a series of email with questions and. You're collecting information. How, how does exactly? That... Yep, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I would imagine that same path. Someone downloads a piece of content on your website, so you have them in your database now, and your job is to push them further, so that you make the job of your sales team um, a lot easier. So, oftentimes you don't have enough information, and you want to get more information. Maybe they just gave you their first name and email and now you really need to get their phone number or their company name or business type. So you may want to send them a sequence of emails to find out those pieces of information and the first email sends them to another form that asks for these questions. 
So that's definitely one thing that you could do to qualify people further, for sure. Mm -hmm. Okay, good. And we're going to see in your example a little bit later about how you're using content to do that qualification. You're tracking to see if somebody clicked on subsequent pieces of content, and if so, put them in certain buckets, or if they don't, then you, you know they're probably not a lead. Yeah. All right, so, um, oh yes, I didn't say this in the introduction, but uh, you are going to tell us a little bit about some of the trends in lead nurturing that you're seeing in uh, at HubSpot for 2015. Mm -hmm. So, um, sorry to our listeners, I forgot to, to mention that, but why don't we want to talk a little bit uh, about what you're seeing, some of the trends for 2015 with lead nurturing and, and uh, you know, what's what's... What's gonna? What do a lot of marketers seem to be latching onto right now? Definitely, I would love to. So, as a product manager on the HubSpot team here, I get to work with a lot of customers all the time who are marketers trying to figure out lead nurturing and go to the next, uh, go go to the next level and really get better at this. So, the trends that I'm I'm starting to see shape up. Really, um, one of the top ones has to do with simplicity. How do you, as you get advanced and as you want to explore lead nurturing more and get more relevant, find the right timing, find the right content, the right segment, these are all complicated things. So how do you take these complicated concepts and build something that's relatively simple so that when you look at it, you understand what it's trying to achieve, so you understand its um, goal. How do you explain it to the rest of the team so you have common vocabulary between you and the sales team because that can really unite you and help you help you kind of rally behind the same goal. And even when new team members join the marketing team and maybe they want to take over marketing automation and the lead nurturing aspect, how do you explain to them what you've done so far and help them get started with that? Mm -hmm. It's really important to keep it simple and to be able to use those common kind of this, this common language around the design, the structure of your lead nurturing. So easily seeing who it's targeting, what's the, is it persona based or is it industry based that mm -hmm. the way you're going to structure the lead nurturing or is it based off of a content like a form submission as you mentioned earlier? What are the steps involved? How many checks are you going to perform? Do you, new, do you really need five or ten steps? Why are you doing, like asking the why along the way so that you uh, you know that you're doing it for a purpose and that purpose really is going to give return on your investment because it's very, very easy to start optimizing, get better and wanting to get better and that's great. Marketers love optimizing and getting better but just ensuring that it's rooted in um, understanding how what the return is going to be of all that labor and keeping things simple enough so that you can have a good conversation, a solid conversation with everyone on the team. So simplicity is a big one that I see. Another one I wanted to mention is marketers are getting very creative with marketing automation. And what I mean by that is clearly we talked about nurturing and that's one way that you can automate um, content and, and ch using channels like email so that you can qualify your contacts further. However, you're seeing, you're seeing things like automating uh, automating the communication around contacts who have been sitting around in your database for a long time now and they're just sitting around what do you do with them you want to re-engage them so this is a re-engagement uh, mm -hmm. campaign and re-engagement kind of um, automation and then you have things like 
what do you do with customers? Maybe customers who've churned and who've canceled, they're no longer your customers or opportunities that you've lost. This is a different type of uh, automation that can happen. So marketers are getting really creative about identifying these key uh, patterns that are that keep happening in their database and figuring out, okay, well, is this a survey that we want to do on a monthly basis? Can we automate the survey? Can we do a series of welcome emails? And it's very exciting to see the things that people come up with. I mentioned to you the net promoter score. That's one of the surveys that people have started using here even um, to just follow up with their customers and seeing if they're happy with the product or service. So that's really that's one that I'm really excited about. I think I didn't mention measurement. This is one that I am personally very passionate about because it kind of goes back to number one where you want to start optimizing a lot because you're a marketer, you want to make things great. However, you can tend to forget what is what is the end goal here. So it's very important to start with, I'm trying to move the needle on marketing qualified leads or customers or revenue number or even webinar registrants. It could be a small goal, but just knowing what you're after helps you go back, review your work and understand whether you're getting better or not. Got it. And that's one where in the past people would be happy with just setting something up, right? Like I have lead nurturing that's running good enough, like I'm all set. And now they're asking more critical questions right. like, how is this actually doing? How many people are in this workflow or in this lead nurturing campaign? And how can I get better? Good, good. What about Okay, everybody, welcome back. Maggie just had to take a quick break to clear her throat. Um, we were getting ready to talk about being predictive and using the HubSpot tool to uh, really be proactive and be able to predict behavior or understand things like, you know, what's our least most engaged segment, things like that. Um, tell us a little bit, if you could, about the trends in this area of marketing automation. Yeah, definitely. I think predictive, um, getting predictive in marketing is becoming a huge area of interest for us, mostly because as marketers, we want to stay ahead of the curve and we want to be always a step ahead in the sense that you, for example, would love to know when people are getting very disengaged with you and, and when they're very, very engaged so that you can find that right timing to, to connect with them. So the way you would communicate with someone who hasn't been on your website or hasn't opened your emails, hasn't interacted with you on social and to bring them back is very different from the way that you would talk to someone who actually does all these things every day or has done that in the last uh, week or so. So with that, I think it's very important for us to create these segments and having the tools to create these segments, having uh, a way to, a visibility into the channels that our contacts are using and the frequency. So being able to see the timing, sure, people who actually visited my website in the last week using kind of rolling date ranges there. Uh, being able to see when they last interacted with your email, whether it was opening an email or clicking on an email, and having those tools allow you to figure out, sure, I'm, I'm going to take this uh, t take this group of people and really maybe share them, share with them our most popular content. And the people who are really, really engaged, I'm going to ask them to maybe um, kind of share something on behalf of us because they are already mm -hmm. seem to be following right. us a lot, right? right? Um, so it's a matter of having the tools to to get 
to that predictive nature of, of marketing, seeing the interactions of your contacts and identifying the the key segments. Right. Yeah, it's more than just per, putting people in personas because I could be a, a persona, but very in a very different place along my journey, my my journey towards becoming a customer. Right. Exactly. So it's a kind of a sub segmentation of that. If Interesting. You, if you All right. Oh, good. So I know now what to pay attention to next year. All right. <laughs> yeah. Good. Yeah. So uh, let's let's uh, move the conversation to you know some nuts and bolts here, mm-hmm. um, and we're going to talk about how to set up a campaign. And you're going to give us an example of a really good lead nurturing campaign. Before the, I do that, though, a couple things. I want to um, I want to encourage people who are interested in getting more of these podcasts to go to periscopeup.com/podcast, sign up for our email list, and you can get more more podcasts. And also. If you're new to lead nurturing, I would definitely go download um, Maggie's book, Introduction to Lead Nurturing. And I'm, I'm just going to read a little bit from it right now to give us that background of what you say are the five steps to uh, setting up a, uh, a good lead nurturing campaign. So number one, set your goal. Uh, number two, select a persona. Who are you trying to reach? Uh, number three, create your content. Um, you have to first offer value, you say. I, th- I love that. Um, yeah. And you can also repurpose a lot of your content. Number okay. four, set a timeline based on your sales cycle so that you know what you're trying to achieve in, in what time frame. And then number five, make sure that you measure and improve. It's not enough to just sort of set it and forget it. You actually have to pay attention to what people are doing or not doing and tweak it to get it to, to achieve your goals. Is that a fair overview of... It's very, yeah, it's very fair overview, and I, as I listen to this, I'm like, wow, these are definitely the benchmarks I had in mind when we worked on HubSpot, HubSpot's tool and how HubSpot does lead nurturing and automation. Uh, so it's just bringing me back to the time I wrote the ebook and then how these things are now embedded in the tool. So I would love to walk you through it right, yeah, and, let's do that. Uh, and get Great. your feedback. Do you have a, you want to share your screen? I know you, you have a set, you've set up a... Um a sample campaign on a on a uh... yeah definitely so let me see let me know if you can see my screen right now yes I can okay perfect Um, so this the overview that you gave was perfect and actually I'm just gonna use that to walk you through a sample campaign a sample lead nurturing campaign here that we've built out with HubSpot's workflows which is basically HubSpot's um, approach into marketing automation and lead nurturing so you started with uh, mentioning the the step number one is setting your goal, and that definitely is the number one thing. Um, I cannot really emphasize this enough because a, a lot of people, as I mentioned earlier, are so obsessed with optimization and getting things to look beautiful and uh, getting them to the next level, but you have to know what you what the job of your lead nurturing campaign is. Mm-hmm. So in this case we have a workflow here which is meant to qualify qualify contacts who are leads and send them uh, product information so that they can request a demo. So our goal is very kind of traditional for lead nurturing. We want to produce sales qualified leads by having those contacts raise their hands and say yes I'm interested in a demo and I would love to speak to the sales team about that. All right, this is great, but before you go on, let me just, I want to uh, get a definition in there for our listeners who may or may not know 
understand mm -hmm. what a sales qualified lead is versus a marketing qualified lead. I'll give mm -hmm. my definition, why don't you tell me if this works for you, but uh, marketing qualified lead is somebody maybe who has downloaded a, an ebook who is interested in your marketing materials but may, may not be ready to buy your services or purchase from you. A sales qualified lead is a lead that you would actually maybe pass over to Salesforce or whatever CRM that it is, so it's ready for a salesperson to respond to uh, in order to try to close that deal. Is that a fair definition? I, yeah, I think it's a good de uh, definition. People can get very flexible with those two. Um, we specifically use marketing qualified lead as someone who's taken an action on specific content like the demo or a trial or contact us. Mm -hmm. So those specific offers are associated with uh, marketing qualified leads. And then SQLs are kind of uh, when the sales team, has, it's very much like sales approved and it's uh, good to be worked by sales. Okay. So you can get flexible with them. Sometimes people use them interchangeably. Um, it, yeah, I wouldn't get too strict on those, but I think it's a good definition okay, to have. Good. So on this campaign, your goal is to get SQLs. You want to get you want to get mm -hmm. leads that are ready that meet a certain criteria that your sales for your sales team can follow up on and close go mm -hmm. out and close those deals. Okay. And in this case, let's say we know that someone is good for sales when they request a demo, so we can use that that to okay. define what does it mean to be that extent of qualified, right? right? That's good. So I also like the, I, that. That goes back to what you said earlier about being simple. You know, exactly. The, exactly. So you can easily kind of see that here because we are trying to nurture people who fit a specific persona. In this case, we've named it Marketing Mary Persona. These are our all of our contacts who we've identified are maybe marketing professionals, and um, we want to nurture them further so that they can become they can be pushed down the sales funnel. So very simple to see what is happening and who we're talking to in the specific workflow. So what's happening here is we have our uh, persona-based segment, right? That's the kind of the starting condition of the workflow. And we know that the goal is to, for those people to request a demo. So that really dictates what content we want to send to those people so that they take the action that we want them to take. And in this case, people who request a demo are interested in the product. So we need to appeal to them to that interest in the product. And the way we want to do this in, in, in this example is by sending them our top number one case study. A lot of marketers out there have case studies. So put those to use, uh, use them in marketing automation. That's a great place to, to leverage that piece of content. Can I, can I interrupt and just ask a quick, quick, quick question? I want to take a step back, but um, how does this workflow get triggered? How, uh, how does it start? Yeah, that's a great question. So this is um, a segment that we built out, uh, the Marketing Mary Persona Leads 2014. So the segment in HubSpot is called the list, and these are all my contacts who are in my list. So you can see that Every time a contact says that their their persona is a marketing professional with many hats and their life cycle state is that of a lead, anytime these two conditions are true for you, you get enrolled in the workflow. Mm -hmm. Okay. Does and that make sense? You, and you set that up in your in the lists. Exactly. Okay. All right. 
good. And I know there's many ways to trigger a workflow like this. I just exactly. To... There's like all kinds of things. Like you can do the same thing off of a prompt submission. You can do it off of email interaction, lead scoring, each view, lead scoring exactly, yeah. um, participation in a webinar, and so on. Okay. Okay. Good. Good question. Good question. So. First step is um, in this case is to send them this top case study because we know it's performing really well and it's a great use of this piece of content to qualify people. And then you may want to give them a little bit of time to take action, to review that email, to go visit the case study, read about it. I would say start with three or five or seven days. Um, this is going to depend a lot on your target audience, that persona, how they interact with channels, how they interact with content. Mm -hmm. There's no silver bullet here. It's very much trial and error and figuring out what's the right timing and how, how do people interact with um, their inboxes in this case. Because I know some people don't log in on the weekend, for example. Some people do. So keep that in mind, but don't obsess over it to begin with. If you're just starting out, pick, pick a number, like start with five days, for example, and see how it does and then go ahead and tweak it if you, uh, as you're getting feedback and as you're getting some metrics. Okay, good. So if you wait for a little bit and then you can perform something a little more sophisticated like check to see whether those contacts have viewed the case study that you told them to view, right? You send them to a page that covered your top case study so you can, you can check and see whether they actually went and did that. And based on that behavior, you're basically kind of doing a little bit of segmentation within the workflow itself because you can adapt your messaging um, based on whether they did see that or, or didn't see it. So let's say they did see it. If they, if they saw the case study, then it's such a good timing to send them to that demo request form because that's what we're trying to achieve here. We're trying to get people to take action at the right time. If you have interacted with the top case study, you're most likely interested in learning more about the product. Let's uh, let's use the timing and this momentum to send you an invitation mm -hmm. for that. If you haven't done that though, if you haven't even checked out the case study, um, we still want to send you a little more product information, but we don't want to be too pushy. We don't want to, uh, it doesn't seem like it's the good, good timing for us to send you an invitation for a demo. So now we can leverage some other piece of content like a lightweight product video, like tour of your product or your service or something like that, where you can still get educated and learn more about the product and maybe that itself has a call to action for a demo, but it's not in your face, it's not in your inbox, it doesn't feel as obtrusive and interruptive, for example. Mm -hmm. uh, you can play around with a lot of content pieces like that. This is just one example, relatively simple. It still contains a lot of complexity because you are doing some segmentation here. Uh, finding that right timing to introduce a high quality offer like demo in order to mm -hmm. get your contacts to be um, more qualified and ready for sales. And here is where I would love to, to mention the idea of measuring that progress, right? Mm -hmm. Because you can, you can now see out of all the people who started, this workflow has not been activated so no contacts are in it. However, when people join, We'll keep track of that number and we can also keep track of how many of these contacts actually request a demo and do the math and see what is the conversion rate of this workflow, how is it actually doing its job. Good, good. And you're not going to necessarily, if they, if they show no interest, you're just going to stop emailing them, right? You're not going to 
keep emailing them in the hopes that they eventually do come become a customer. They, they've essentially told you that now is not the right time. So Right, exactly. They haven't engaged with my content, especially if they don't engage with this video. I'm not gonna keep um, I'm not gonna keep extending this. Doesn't look like they will be engaged. Maybe maybe I'm gonna wait and have a different workflow that does a different job where it reengages uh, dormant leads. So maybe they stay dormant for a while, and at that point, I take really hot offer, something really fresh and interesting, and I send it over to them so I get them back on track. But I'm not gonna prolong this and extend this workflow immensely because it will get to be complex and then and then uh, I will forget what I'm trying to achieve here right because it's it's still going back to that goal and measuring things if you start deviating from the target audience and the persona and what I'm trying to achieve then the complexity does not uh, contribute to, to what the work you're trying to to get done but it just starts adding more confusion right. and blurring the lines yeah I, I find that this is what a lot of my clients and other marketers as well sort of ha don't really see in that um, marketing automation ha to me the potential here is to not necessarily get more leads but to get better leads and to, mm -hmm. and to mm -hmm. get higher quality leads so that the leads that do go to the sales team are uh, pre-qualified, mm -hmm. there's good information about who these people are, maybe you've asked them things like their budget and you know their time, time frame, mm -hmm. you've asked them for things like their phone number which they're only going to give to you if they're serious. Mm -hmm. And you know what ends up happening is that the organization gets a higher close rate and the salespeople are happier with the marketing team because they're sending better quality leads and oh. they're not chasing down crap. They're not chasing oh. down crappy leads, which clearly aren't ready yet. And that, to me, is what this, is, why this is so great and, and something we're pushing on a lot of our clients because mm -hmm. it has the potential to really reduce the amount of time that sales, the sales team spends um, on their time. This is, you know, it's funny because the other thing I'll say is that, like, to me, this is like, this is sales. This isn't not necessarily marketing as so much as it's actually sales, right? It's very much, yeah, it's very much on the fence, sales and marketing alignment. That's kind of the definition. Sales and uh, marketing alignment, how do you get the two? It's a handoff point, pretty much. Right, right. All right, this is great. Fantastic. All right, let's, um, when you end your screen sharing, we'll go back to our little split screen here to wrap up our conversation. Yep. Um, so, Maggie, this has really been amazing, very, very helpful and enlightening and um, really interesting to talk to, to talk to you, such a unique perspective. So um, I'd like to close by asking the question I always ask, which is, you know, what's the one thing, what's the one thing that, one piece of advice you can give us as marketers that we really should be focusing on right now when it comes to lead nurturing campaigns? So this will be a little different from, I guess my piece of advice will be a little different from all the like kind of uh, conversation we've had so far. And it's really about getting contacts to be in your lead nurturing and your marketing automation campaigns. A lot of marketers don't have enough contacts in order to do great segmentation and great lead nurturing. So focus on generating a lot of these contacts and a great way to do that is by creating a lot of content. 
right? So think a lot about that foundation. Do you have a nice pipeline? And and is that pipeline getting contacts into the appropriate systems like your workflow, if you have a workflow to lead nurturing, whatever it is. So don't don't just obsess over marketing automation because everyone else is doing it. Think about do, how many, what's the flow look like for me if I only have 10 contacts coming in monthly, then I need to prioritize my work accordingly and get, first of all, a lot more contacts in so I can work with them. Mm-hmm. Good, good, fill the top of the funnel. Yeah, right. don't forget about that, that's the yeah. thing. Like With marketing automation, it's very much middle of the funnel, but don't forget about the top, they work together. Right, right. that's the search engine optimization, the social media marketing, the the advertising, etc. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if you yeah, a lot of people think, well, HubSpot's going to get me more leads. That's not necessarily true. I mean, it can if you use it for that, but um, you still need to be doing the content to, to get to SEO. get better into yeah, exactly. To all right. to good. Okay. Um, all right, Maggie. Thank you so much. This was great. Why don't you just leave us with how we can learn a little bit more about you and about uh, HubSpot? Yeah, definitely. So, as a product manager here. At uh, on the HubSpot team, I work on all these tools all the time and I talk to marketers all the time. So I would love to also get your input and learn what are some of the challenges that you're facing with automation, what are the things that you think are not intuitive enough and should be a lot easier. All that feedback is really critical for me. So please feel free to go to HubSpot.com products, look at our automation section and definitely reach out to me on Twitter. My Twitter handle is M-G-I-E-V-A and let me know what your thoughts are however general or specific they are I would love to hear from you All right. thanks again, thanks for your time, I know you got to run to a meeting so until the next time it's Dan Kaplan signing off and uh, thanks for listening thank you Thank you for listening to the How to Get More Leads and Sales from Your Website podcast. Periscope Up is a trusted provider of digital marketing services, including search engine optimization, pay-per-click and AdWords, content development, social media, Google Analytics, HubSpot, Pardot, and WordPress. Our contracts are month-to-month, and we only take on clients we believe we can help. Visit PeriscopeUp.com to learn more.